humans, this is Brandon with episode 54 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. They keep coming back, so I'll introduce them. As always, I've got my partners in crime with me, Rob. Don't forget to boom, shake, shake, shake the room. There you go. (laughs) Silly as always. And Josh. Hello, humans. This week, we'll be covering... Crush and Lobo, number three. Crime Syndicate, number six. Suicide Squad, number six. Green Lantern, number five. Suicide Squad, Get Joker. Swamp Thing, number six. And Batman, number 111. And, of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. But before we get going with the show, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you, listeners, too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. So with that out of the way, let's get into some news. All right, guys, what's new this week? I need to rant for just a second about about geek culture, just, geek for, culture. just for a minute. Okay, go, go ahead. I don't know if you guys have heard about Matt Damon's words... Mm-hmm. This I think no. it was this week. I have not. Where he he was in an interview, and I don't know what the question was. I don't remember, but he was basically saying that the age of the leading man in movies is over. And then he went on to use an example: how Robert Downey Jr. Uh, played Iron Man, but like Iron Man being such a famous character, anybody could play Iron Man. Well, geeks had issues with that, and now everybody's calling him a hypocrite because he's in Marvel movies and DC fans are blowing up. It's simple. He's not saying Robert Downey Jr. wasn't born to play Iron Man. He's been in Marvel movies. He auditioned to play Robin at once upon a time. He's down for all that. But the idea of leading man is gone because leading men don't sell movies anymore. Characters sell movies. characters do. And that's what he's talking about. It's not saying that Iron Man could just be played by, by anybody Besides Robert Downey, like Robert Downey Jr. obviously was born to play Iron Man. The dude killed it. And Stan Lee gave him the, the golden star, like, that this is the man straight off the page. Everybody did, dude. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even no like way. Marvel, and I'm like, there's nobody better than Tony Stark yeah. to play Tony Stark. Exactly. I mean, that's who Robert Downey Jr. is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But in, and that's exactly <laughs> what Matt Damon is not saying. He's just saying that movies have changed where characters sell movies, leading men don't. That's all it is. So please calm down, Twitter. Yeah. Please. Well, I, 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 yeah, I don't know if it's... Twitter, it's calm like, down. Yeah, right. <laughs> contained to superhero movies, but I feel like you don't see a ton of that anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of right now is like, like Mission Impossible. Because everyone knows you're not watching those movies for the plot. Like, I mean, maybe if oh, you're yeah. really into it, but... No, you're for, watching for it for... The, uh, you're, sorry, you're, you're watching it for Tom Cruise trying to kill himself. Exactly. That's yeah, all you're it is. watching it because Tom Cruise is going to do some badass stunts, and you're like, "How the fuck did he do that?" But I, <laughs> uh, I, I just... doubt you're watching it because you're so invested in the character. Of, I don't even remember his name. That's, that's my that's my point. <laughs> Nobody's hung up on the storyline for the Fast and the Furious movies. No, you know what no. I mean, I see Vin Diesel. Family. And, well, I mean, not anymore. But Paul Walker yeah. and guys like that drive fast cars. Yeah, for the most part, most of those franchise movies, I mean, that's all it is. It's like there's a point to it, you know. Or even even um, even John Wick, like 
exactly yeah. it's, you, you want to see yeah. you want to see Neo after somebody kills his dog yeah, like, yeah I feel like John Wick would not have been as popular if it hadn't been for Keanu Reeves just being the guy that he is and being in that movie yeah well okay so there is such a thing as star power and that's for sure mm. but I think you could swap out let's just say Henry Cavill for Tom Cruise any day of the week and no one would give a shit I, I don't think in, I don't think so in Mission Impossible at least because I, I feel like again with with Tom Cruise it's not so much about his acting chops it's exactly as Rob just said you want to see him do the crazy stunts that no one else wants to see yeah and he has that kind of dedication and ambition that makes you go oh wow that's really crazy I'll watch like five of these movies even though I don't really care whereas right. Cavill I mean I I don't know how much stunt work he does but i i just i i don't know that i've seen a ton of films where he'll go to that length to basically yeah. look like he's trying to kill himself like he, he's a very classic actor so yes, he'll yeah. probably do some stunts but he'll probably still just let the stunt work mm-hmm. he'll leave the stunt work to the stunt team yeah i mean eh, i guess i don't think anybody gives a shit whether he does his own stunts or not that's just Tom Cruise fans, yeah. you know. That yeah, but that's, that's kind that. of the point. It's like, if you're a fan of that kind of stuff, and yeah. most people following Tom Cruise, it's literally... Yeah, okay, I get what that. you're saying. I um, get what you're saying. It w- you wouldn't really be able to market it in that way unless you had another actor who's willing to push themselves that far. But You got a point there. Yeah. You got a point there. Right, Fast and the Furious is totally different, though. I don't think any it would never happen because he owns the franchise. But I don't think anybody'd give a shit if Vin, Vin Diesel died off. No. People would still watch those movies. Yeah, because it's all about family. It's about family. Yeah, it's just about family. It's for the same reason <laughs> people buy like you know Need for Speed or any of those racing games like. It's not mm-hmm. for a plot. It's literally just because you want to play with fast cars. That's it. I, I love the racing. Yeah. I don't need a plot. Exactly. No. That's nope. Nobody. Yeah. Why there Nobody was ever a Need for Speed movie is still beyond me. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. Fast cars. That's it. That's yeah, it. Pretty yeah. much. And I like yeah. you know, there's a place for that. No one is saying that it it doesn't deserve to exist because it has its audience and it satisfies them. It's just it's not very deep in any way and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be nope not for i mean you know it is what it is it knows what it is for some reason literally every single marketing ploy used by this movie has every single cast member in it talking about how it's all about family but i mean yeah it's about fast cars and blowing shit up and as close to michael bay as you can get without actually being michael bay yeah i think he has dynamite trademarked Right. right? <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. But that's okay. Same for like let's say Rambo or I mean any of that shit. You could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. This could be a whole 2-hour conversation, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh, as far as news goes, I really don't have any, man. <laughs> My septic tank backed up and I had Ooh. to wait 2 days for somebody to come out and pump it. Oh, yikes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I spent a lot of time using a shop vac. Oof, oh God! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh I, boy. I, um, I, I don't have any news other than um, Justice League Dark 
the backup to Justice League, a book we are no longer covering, came out this week. And rather than give it a full review, um, because in this particular issue, I wouldn't say that a ton happened. Um, I just kind of wanted to mention that, you know, it's out and it's it's worth your time if you're still reading Justice League and still really want to know what happened with the Justice League Dark. Basically, the gist is, you know, Elnara Rashtu and Rander Singh are continuing their story from the last one and he finally gets freed and then we cut to Atlantis and shenanigans are happening there and the Justice League Dark are trying to hold them off. And that's pretty much it. You know, it's only 10 pages, yeah. so... Not, not a He's been locked in that psychic mind, in that psychic prison since he was a child. That's yeah. like the only other noteworthy thing, man. It was really good. V is keeping the story intriguing, and the art is awesome. That part of the book is really good. Yeah, but Brandon said you, you said you've got no other news. You just went to Terrificon, or yeah, Terrificon, man. I did. Uh, I did. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mentioned this in our Slack channel, but you know, there wasn't really a ton to tell it was just it was kind of um formulaic not the right word but i mean i had a schedule and i i kept to it for the most part so it wasn't really a ton of fanfare it was just you know i i went around i looked at some comics and stuff um i i got a couple interviews in not all the ones that i wanted but i was able to get at least four um i had scheduled right five on. But I I wasn't able to get the fifth one because Ron Garney left earlier than um, I thought he would. Um, oh bummer! But two who of did them, you get? Uh, well, the two that I didn't get were Sean Gordon Murphy and uh, Jim Starlin, just because Sean was really busy and Jim had a panel to go to, and I could have interviewed him if I had stayed for Sunday, but I just I didn't have time to go there on Sunday. Um, but That's... I did get Pete Tomasi, Klaus Jansen. Um, Dan Jurgens and uh, Donnie Cates and um, I, hell yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I can I can send you guys the audio if you'd like. But full disclosure, the interviews that I kind of thought I was going to do versus the interviews I actually ended up doing are are very different, almost completely different. Because <laughs> I had kind of planned to go and you know ask some general questions about. I don't know, stuff they were working on or whatever, but like I got there and I saw the lines and I was just like, I don't really, like I don't really feel like asking questions about that stuff. It's just, it was kind of boring to me. So I basically just asked them a bunch of, of questions for a project that I was planning to put together um, for, for school actually, which was just interviewing different generations of comic creators and getting a sense of how they feel about their careers as well as some changes in the comics industry and it actually came together pretty well i'm still working on it right now i I put together like a kind of a fake trailer and um i actually for this sole purpose only i have done nothing else with it but i reactivated my twitter account just to kind of put it out there um and i'm I'm not going to use it for anything else it's was literally just to say like hey thanks for you know agreeing to do the interviews and because i have no absolutely no desire to go back on that website whatsoever and i didn't follow anyone (laughs) like if you look up my account it has zero followers and i'm following zero people it was literally just so i could be like here's the trailer just you know so you know i wasn't lying to you and thanks like i tagged them thanks for agreeing to do the interviews and everything else and and 
that is the only thing I plan to use it for. Um, but uh, other than that, it was, you know, it was pretty nice. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, that, that's about, I don't know if you had any other questions. Uh, I, I'm that you got some really cool creators to talk to you about to give you advice for, you know, projects like that. And that, that is, that's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to hearing it, man. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm working on it right now. It's, it's going to take a while. Um, just cause it's a lot of, of editing. Cause basically what I have to do is just rewatch every single interview that I did and take the parts that I think are good and take the parts that I don't think are good and cut those out and then edit them in a way that's cohesive that tells a story um so that'll take some time probably I don't know the rest of this week if not the rest of next week it'll be a full project but um it, it should be fun you know and um I mean, it was it was a lot busier than I thought it was going to be. That's for sure. I, I think I was expecting just because of you know the pandemic and everything that it was going to be a, a smaller amount of people, but it was pretty packed. So that kind of hindered how much I, um, how much I could actually interview a lot of people just because there wasn't a ton of time. But um, I mean, I, I got you know pretty much ten minute interviews out of all of them with the exception of dan jurgens just because he had to leave early um so i think i only got about six minutes or so but yeah that's pretty much it i mean i look forward to being able to hear it and uh, share it that would be cool too yeah hearing uh hearing them offer that kind of advice i mean that's that's something i'm sure a lot of people could use to hear you know yeah and um yeah i just i i, I think it'll be a really cool I, I think it'll be a really cool project. I don't know. Um, we'll we'll have to see how it all turns out in the end. But I'm um, looking forward to seeing how that works out too, man. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, pretty much everyone was was nice about the interview. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Sweet. Anything new in your neck of the woods, Rob? It's not really. It's kind of boring around here right now. Transformers Canada, was awesome. It's always boy. But that's a whole other can of worms with a whole other set of geeks that are pissed off about various reasons. <laughs> uh, what, what is this? <laughs> uh, the, the Netflix Transformers series wrapped up Uh-oh. its uh, trilogy with the Kingdom chapter, which brought Beast Wars characters into the fold. Oh. And, and if you're a 90s Transformers fan, you watched Beast Wars and you loved it for the character work that the voice actors put in mm. amongst the cgi animation that was revolutionary at the time and it was bloody transformers but this was done by rooster teeth and instead of hiring the og voice actors they went with i think was non-unionized voice actors which i can appreciate Uh, giving like amateur voice actors a a chance to shine but you're also not giving those very talented voice actors the work they deserve for the characters they put the work into and man, it's, that's it's a, a sticky fine dis- line that's a yeah. sticky discu- discussion man it, it really yeah. is cause... it's it's been going on for a while in the transformers fandom about just where this falls and there's been a lot of debates and i think at least for the g1 transformers the voices weren't bad they weren't even far off from the original voice actors but the beast wars ones my god 
is just horrible. <laughs> I, this, I could appreciate some of the new ones, but the Beast Wars Megatron sounded like a regular grunt. Oof. Was, uh, uh, wow. I, yeah, I, I, I know nothing about Transformers, so uh, I, I, I assume people are, like you said, not, not too happy about it. Yeah. Transformers but, fans I are mean, some of the most toxic fans I've met. <laughs> Uh, I mean, man, that's every single fandom out there. Star mm-hmm. Wars, Star Trek, Pokemon. I mean, shit, you oh, name God. it, dude. Yeah. You name it. Comic yeah. books, hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call you toxic. Just just a certain creators. It's just a... All right, I'll give you that. Uh Speaking of creators, you guys want to talk about things they've done lately? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, that that's uh, that's probably a good idea. So to kick why us, we do this, right? Yeah, yeah. So to <laughs> kick us off, uh, let's start with Crush and Lobo number three, brought to us by Josh. Take it away, man. All right, written by Mariko Tamaki with art from Amanke Nualpan and Tamara Bonvillain with letters from out. Excuse me, from Ariana Mar, wrapped in a cover from Bernard Chang. And man, I dig this cover. I really like his style on this. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, we get to see Lobo being an ideal member of the therapy group before we are taken to Crush sitting in the waiting room for Parents' Day where the inmates get to see their kids. <laughs> anyway, wait time is up, and finally we get to see Crush and Lobo together at a visitor's table. Lobo insists that he wants nothing but Crush to not make the same mistakes that he did. And uh, he's, like, reaching across the table, asking for her hand. And Mm. eventually she gives it to him. Crush gets scanned by a security bot. She shows up as a visitor. And then that's when they touch hands. He reaches out and asks her to promise to talk to the therapy bot. And uh, she promises and then says she's going to go get a snack. As she's gone, the security bot scans Lobo and deems him a visitor. He says, yep, like he expected it to happen. At the vending machine, Crush gets scanned and is deemed an inmate. After being taken prisoner, Crush realizes what happened and that Lobo has escaped because they're because they now think that she is him, basically. They've you know, they recognize by inmate numbers and that's all they know her as. So she gets escorted to a cell. And that's how we end the chapter. I I kind of think that we all knew that this is where it was headed, yeah. at least in the general vicinity of her being involved in his escape in some way, shape, or form. Mm. But it is it is still a fun read, and the art is really good. I do really like it. I'm giving it an 8.25 out of 10. I really do dig this book. I do. And I'm going to keep reading it because I enjoy it so much, but I think we should be having it make its way to the dump list because it just doesn't tie to the larger universe, and we've got several on the list that are there just for that reason, even though they're fantastic. Nice House on the Lake is one of them. I mean, so unfortunately, while I'm the one that asked for this, it's it's definitely got to... Uh, it's definitely got to go. I think it's a great story, though. Eight point two five out of ten. Wow. Yeah, I'm this a little one surprised. Is... Oh, go ahead, Rob. I was I was still saying oh, I'm a little surprised. Yeah. Well, we got that that Superman Lobo book coming up, so maybe hold up, guys. Maybe that's it. 
hey, hold up. Yeah. One of y'all's volume is so loud that I can hear the echo in my speakers. I can hear my voice talking back to me. How's that? Uh, I don't think it's me. Well, I'm just... Okay, is it mine? Mine is all right. It's better. Audio yeah, right sorry, now. that might have been me. Okay, all right, cool. I keep forgetting. So, I I turn it up sometimes when I'm doing other things. Yeah, no, my mine was at like like I turned it down just in case. That was at like half audio. Um, sorry, Rob, what okay. were you gonna say? I don't know, I think you were talking. Oh, um, yeah, no, this this book was was all right. Like I, I think it does a solid job of continuing the story, and I do really like the art, but. I mean, I know, I don't know, like, I, I think in this issue in particular, like, I just, something about the dialogue is starting to get really grating for me, um, with Crush especially, where I was just like, um, like, it was kind of cute and endearing for the first two issues, but now it's starting to get a little, like I said, grating, I'm just like, this is getting kind of annoying to read. Um, yeah, so I guess it just matches the character for me, so that's why it hasn't yeah, gotten on my nerves it as quickly just, as, say, like, young Diana. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I think it definitely does. It just, I don't know that that's necessarily something I really want to read. Um, and it's funny, in our first episode, you mentioned Crush said whatever a lot, and I, I didn't even realize that. But I'm, I'm really starting to see it now. Um, it's like getting... Yeah. A little, Everywhere. yeah, it's getting a little grating. Um, so, like I said, you know, it did a fine job of continuing the story. It's just, I think, in terms of how some of the characters speak, it's just getting a little frustrating to read. So, I ended up giving this one a seven point five out of ten. This said, I think Lobo has done fantastic, and I think the way he's drawn is fantastic. Oh Let yeah, Lobo looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, this, I mean, this was awesome definitely. Bounty hunter look, I guess. Watch <laughs> space bounty hunter. You can yeah. make him look as awesome as you want. And it'll always look awesome. Uh-huh. You, like, all dolphins. the guns Shush. and pouches you want. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, this this was definitely one of the the weaker issues so far, in my opinion. Mm. I I really enjoyed the background story of the mantis people. That was oh, yeah, that was, was a. I'm not gonna say nice <laughs> ending, but it was yeah. Yeah, it was a funny ending. Um, yeah, it's I was I was even I was gonna say it's a twist we kind of saw coming, mm. and Lobo was bound to escape. Otherwise, where's this book going? It sucks that Crush is in prison, but you know the, the plot's gonna drive it along. Um, yeah, it was seven point five for me as well. It's just one of the weaker ones so far, but I, I think it gets stronger as, as it goes on. Yeah, I hope so. But uh, hopefully, we'll yeah. we'll see. Um, I guess when we get to our, our dump list, whether or not we'll continue with this book. But moving right along, we have our next book, Crime Syndicate Number 6, the end of this miniseries. So I'm going to let Rob wrap this story up for us. All right. So this is from writer Andy Schmidt with art by Kieran McCowan and Brian Hitch on the back half with inks from Dexter Vines and colors by Steve Olaf and Alex Sinclair doing the backup with letters from Rob Lee. So Ultraman and Ultra Girl, I guess, I don't think she really even got a name, are deep in combat as the staff from the Luther Corp satellite jet down to Earth. Atomica and Owlman land together, and Owlman, ever the planner, does not have a plan for this. What he says is they need Emerald Knight and Superwoman. Those two, however, landed somewhere else. 
Superwoman is trying to get Emerald Knight to join the Syndicate, but Thal is keeping him on the light side. Until Superwoman rips the ring off Emerald Knight's finger and the finger with it. This gives John some clarity, and when he calls the ring back, it tears through Thal, killing him. John knows who he is now. He and Superwoman head to the Ultra fight, where Atomica sees no other choice as Ultra Girl is getting the upper hand on Ultraman. Atomica shrinks down and squashes Ultra Girl's brain. Ultraman is distraught, as is Luther, who cared for Ultra Girl-like family. Some backstory there we're never going to see. As the days pass, (laughs) the Syndicate come together as a global power and they take over. New alliances are formed with the Syndicate's enemies and everybody dies happily. In the Atomica origin story, we find that she got her power after her and Johnny broke into Dr. Ryan Choi's laboratory. Johnny convinces Atomica that powers are the ultimate high, so she drinks a chemical that has a low success rate of granting powers, but of course it succeeds. Now in the present, Atomica makes a little visit to Luthor, who was stuck in the hospital after Ultraman broke all of his bones. She wants to spend the last of Luthor days with him, inside and out. And this this ended, I think, exactly the way we all thought it would, with the crime syndicate coming to power and taking over the world, so to speak. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah it's it, maybe this was to connect to all the other books in Infinite Frontier. Maybe this is going to have a larger picture in the scheme of things. It remains to be seen. Like it's, it's connected to Suicide Squad a little bit, so maybe that was the whole point of this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I still found it enjoyable. The art had its moments. But ultimately, it's the crime syndicate. It's like watching an action movie. You just need to switch off and enjoy it sometimes. That yeah. being said, I, I did give it a 6.5 just because the, the ending was very predictable and it it was a bit of the weaker side. It was like issue three. It was the end of the story and it was a little bit weaker than the other ones. The ride is the fun. Yeah, it was just kind of a serviceable ending for me. Like It, it didn't really... I don't know. It didn't blow anything away. I thought it was probably more enjoyable than the last two issues, but that's not really saying much. Um, and you know, the art is Tell you like it. you said, it has its moments, but I can't say it's great. I can't even say it's bad. It just it it kind of is. Um, yeah. So I actually scored this one a little higher because I had fun and like I did enjoy the backup. So I gave this one a seven out of ten. But you know, I I can't say I'm gonna miss this book anytime soon. I can't say I'm going to miss a book at all. This issue was, I mean, it was just a comic book. You could pick this up. That's in a ringing endorsement if I ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you could pick up the whole damn series in the 99 cent bin is what I'm saying. The art is okay. There's a lot of little things that are weird. Like when Owlman is playing chess with Superwoman, his damn eyes are facing different directions. Not like by a lot, but enough to just stand way out. <clears throat> and there's a whole lot of those little things in this issue, man. And I'm just not a fan of the story. I'm just not a fan of the crime syndicate. And it feels like literally every other crime syndicate story that I've ever read. The entire arc, every single time. And I'm being generous here because I'm actually in a good mood. Five out of ten. I I still feel that you could do an interesting story with a crime syndicate. You just need a story and not, I don't know, just a bunch of kind of random nonsense. Yeah. Okay, so then reinvent the crime syndicate. Reboot these doppelganger heroes because these ones suck yeah i mean i like there are 
I I don't know. I guess it just kind of depends your your preference on these characters. Because um, I, I feel like really the only two good stories that I've read, and I mean, I say two good stories, but honestly, it's more like one pretty good story and one kind of okay story. But the two good stories I've read with Crime Syndicate are Forever Evil and JLA Earth 2. JLA Earth 2 is great because it's JLA and it's Grant Morrison and it's Frank Quitely and it's like an all-star team and it's short and it's like wraps itself up at the end and it's like we're done and then Forever Evil is I mean I don't know that's definitely a shut your brain off and enjoy it but I can't say as it was particularly good in any way uh it just it was kind of like I think in, an enjoyable read but it didn't really leave any kind of lasting impact and those are the best stories that I've read where they actually have kind of a prominent role and they, and they don't just like die off or they aren't in, you know, bit parts or something. Yeah, but even even the two greatest stories that they're in, even the two greatest stories that they are in, they aren't um, spectacular stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that, again, that, with, that's I'd not say saying the closest one would be JLA Earth 2, <laughs> but... Um, I mean, it's, it's not the best story of, of JLA. Um, it looks great, but you know, it's I, I would say it's 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 really good, but you know, it, like I said, it's it's short enough that it doesn't overstay its welcome. Okay. This one, I was just pfft, see you later, man. Yeah, I, 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 st- I still maintain that there's there's interesting things that you can do, but like I said, you just need, you need an interesting direction. Or at the very least, you need, no offense to Andy Schmidt, I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but um, I, I don't know, maybe just a, a writer with a better plan? It sounds really mean. Some, no, just, I mean, it does. It needs a better story, you know, yeah. and it's not being mean, not even so much as a writer with a better plan, but just flat out needs a better story mm. and like the personalities that these heroes have i i don't enjoy them whatsoever and i get that a lot of people do enjoy the, those characters and who they are and that's why no matter how poorly their books are received every single time they're released they still keep putting them out because people are fans of them and i mean no matter how much that blows my mind i i i, I think that we should maybe tweak these a little bit so that we could have decent storylines that featured them. Like, uh, like we, we started talking about, you know, uh, this little thing here. And like the first person, of course, that came to mind is I wonder what Taylor would do with this shit. I was, I was thinking someone a little more high mm -hmm. concepts. I feel like Taylor's really good with character work. And I feel like for a crime syndicate, you need something that's a little, a little bigger than that. Um, I, I had an I well, actually, I'll let you go first if you want. Azarello and Tynan. Oh, uh, I, I was I was thinking a little higher. Um, I was I, again. I, I know you're not a Marvel guy, but um, I I would totally pick someone like Jonathan Hickman to come in and completely reformat what the crime syndicate could be. Because yeah. if you've ever read New Avengers, it's kind of like that, where a lot of the Marvel Illuminati have to basically go through a, a morality quest of, you know, how do we 
this is now a review of New Avengers, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, basically how they how they destroy planets so as to try and prevent the destruction of the universe, and it, it brings up a lot of ethical questions on what kind of moral uh, high ground do you even have to make a decision like that of whether or not you destroy a planet. And I feel like under somewhat under a writer like that under that kind of direction you could do something really interesting with the crime syndicate but you need someone that can come in with a certain aesthetic and not just like i just want to write them doing evil stuff for six issues yeah uh, or whatever redefining it would be great yes yeah i think that's the only thing that would really make it so like to people other than diehard fans exactly exactly um but we're not quite done with, well, I don't know that I would call them evil characters yet, but characters with, uh, let's not say the best moral high ground, with the exception of a couple, as we'll be moving on to our next title, Suicide Squad number six. This issue was brought Is to- where we were right again. Yes. <laughs> right again, yeah. But I feel like this one was pretty obvious. Um, I don't really, care where I'm taking most it. Most people called it, but um, yes, yeah, we got it right on the money. But anyway, this issue was brought to us by Robbie Thompson with art from Eduardo Pansica and Julio Ferreira with additional art from Dexter Soy, colors from Alex Sinclair, and letters from Wes Abbott. Uh, so after completing a job in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, capturing the... <clears throat> Capturing the villain known as Night Terror, the Suicide Squad return to Bel Rev, uh, where Night Terror is quickly given some kind of autopsy, and Amanda Waller sets them up for their next mission, which is recovering Bloodsport from Earth 3. Bloodsport has been doing some reconnaissance work on Earth 3 and has finally delivered to Amanda exactly what she wanted a world that can be saved. So she sends the Suicide Squad on a bit of a recovery mission. To get Bloodsport back and find out a little bit more about Earth 3. The squad share some banter and questions about Red X and all the other things that they had been recently discussing in the previous issues before being completely ambushed by none other than Ultraman. So there's a little connection to Crime Syndicate. Uh, Squad face off against Ultraman as well as Black Siren, the evil version of Black Canary before containing Siren and taking her to the extraction portal before Superboy and Ultraman duke it out in a very bloody and deadly fashion. Superboy seemingly is ready to go in for the kill before Amanda Waller is able to talk him down out of his furious rage. <laughs> Superboy is able to make it to the extraction portal in addition to Bloodsport and Noctar- Nocturna. Excuse me. Uh, they end up, You've been reading some Scott Snyder, I've been huh? Reading some, you, yeah, no, I, 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 I have, because I've, I've been thinking about that. I'm, I'm editing that the project that I was telling you about, and I was talking to Klaus Jansen about the comicsology deal, so I have Scott Snyder on the brain. Um, anyway, uh, the Suicide Squad end up in the middle of nowhere Russia, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly not sure where they're going to be. Superboy, in particular, is looking for answers, and answers he shall find as the sudden and shocking <laughs> revelation reveals that another Superboy has showed up at the same time 
the one believed to be the actual Superboy, decked out in his 90s apparel, or rather the Young Justice apparel, asking yeah. our Superboy, or the Suicide Squad Superboy, who the hell are you? Uh, that so got yeah. really confusing, didn't it? Yeah, well, we, we definitely called it. Um, so uh, There's Young Justice Superboy in the black t-shirt, and then there's, there's Death of Superman Superboy in the leather jacket. That's the way I see it. Yeah, or I, I think 03 Titans Superboy with the black t-shirt, Bendis Young Justice <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, so it's a little patchy, like jacket. like he was on. Do you, no, you cannot look at that guy and think Bendis. Well, it's just because he has. It's not, it's not the same <laughs> costume. It's it's. He's yeah, from it's, the it's, death it's of altered. Superman. It's, yeah, it's that. That's the only reason why. Like, it's aesthetically, it's supposed to remind you of the '90s suit, but it's not exactly the same. So they have those spikes and like. He has like patches on his kneecaps and everything, and that, that's that's really the reason why. And plus, that's where he's been most recently. So, you know, uh, but in ah. any case, yeah, we, um, <laughs> you know, it, it should have been pretty obvious. But but yeah, two Superboys. The one on the Suicide Squad is almost certainly a clone. And um, well, then both of them yeah. are actually. Well, I've seen some theories saying that he's a, a clone. Of the clone. Oh, yeah. Superboy is a clone. I've seen some theories saying that he's Match, who is like the... Basically, Bizarro is to Superman as Match is to Superboy. Um, See, uh, I feel like I feel like Ultraman kind of spilled the beans on that, saying that he could see inside of him and that he was just like multiple copies of clones or whatever it was. I, I mean, he didn't say exactly those words by any stretch. But Yeah, my guess is, I don't I, think it's match. I mean, it could be, but my, my guess is just Amanda Waller either stumbled onto some files from Project Cadmus or somehow got a sample of Superboy's DNA and has spent the past however many months cloning Superboy's until she got a successful mm-hmm. version. Um, and that's the one that's on the Suicide Squad because we see in the cover to the Suicide Squad annual that Superboy is like looking up at like a million different clones. So it's clearly someone is cloning a bunch of different versions of Superboy. And my guess is Amanda Waller had a had a hand in that. But yeah, other than that, you know, it's a it's a solid enough issue. I mean, oh yeah, it's keeping me entertained. Yeah, it's it's definitely entertaining. You know, it's. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say other than that. I think the art's pretty cool. Um, I, it's. I feel like it's definitely going to affect the the a major thing in the DC universe as far as the two Superboys goes. Well, at the very least, I can explain that. where Connor has been. Our Connor, right? The, the YJ Connor. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just kind of a solid issue, and like I, I don't really have anything else. To say other than that, it just it's kind of continuing the story. So I gave it a seven point seven five out of ten. Uh, I thought it was good. I liked the story. I liked the art. Seven point five. It's a fun read. Like I said, it's keeping me entertained, man. Yeah. Not not yeah, super huge important, but it's fun. Yeah, it, it's very enjoyable, and I appreciated them kind of highlighting the. I don't know. Want to? I don't want to say the later side of Amanda Waller, but where she kind of doesn't like the fact that she has to do all this, but she does it because it needs to be done. And she's not a total bitch. She's a bitch for work. (laughs) 
which is uh, exactly what you want when you're trying to take over a world. Or right. control a world. <laughs> Save a world, I, I don't know. Something to do with Control Worlds. 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is an 8 out of 10 for me. I'm just so excited there's two super yeah. boys. <laughs> well, we're finally getting some Saw answers. that leather jacket, my jaw dropped. Yeah, finally, yeah. I, I, I admit, I, I wasn't expecting them to drop that so soon. I knew we had the annual coming, but I, I didn't realize it was going to bring in the other Superboy. So that was cool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have Green Lantern number five. And as per usual, I will let the resident Green Lantern fan and also Green Lantern of 2814, Rob, take this Ooh. issue. Yeah. Which, which reminds me, my Instagram account kind of bugged me. There's a guy on there, if I haven't said before, named Rob2814, which is a name I oh. wanted. But it's taken, so I did do Rob two eight one four point two. Figure that makes John sense. John Stewart. I'm John. I think that's point. Yeah. And well, well, Guy Gardner was first. Yeah, I guess technically. But John's more important. I'm gonna piss off a lot of I, I, Well, I guess. Right I don't know. <laughs> very weird. Like I know Hal technically got the ring first, but it was supposed to go to Guy as the backup, but it didn't. Yeah. It was in like a coma or something, so it went to John. I think that's why he's point two, and I, then Guy is I, point three, yeah. Rainer's point four, Simon Baz is point five, and Jessica's yeah. point six. But I could have totally yeah. screwed that up. So if I did yell at me on Twitter, I won't see it. <laughs> that's fucking that's, awesome. yeah. That's a very good place to put your yeah. enemies. <laughs> Anyway, so this is from writer Jeffrey Thorne with art by Tom Rainey, Marco Santucci, and Andy McDonald with colors from Michael Atia and letters from Rob Lee. Kelly and her gauntlet have arrived on New Korugard just in time for Sinestro to wake up from a night of fun. Kelly blows up Sinestro's tower, but Sinestro was ready as he shields at least himself and his fun companions. The Sinestro Corps show up and all attack, but with the power of the gauntlet, Kelly's holding her own. At one point, she gets blasted away and is found by a hooded yellow lantern who forces fear into Kelly's mind and distracting her, which then subdues her. (laughs) Simon arrives in a United Planets battle suit with a Green Lantern logo emblazoned on it, and he fights to save Kelly, but the hooded woman knows Simon and insists he takes Kelly and leaves before other yellows show up. And then she disappears. Over in the unknown sector, John has helped clean up the town, and the people want him gone or dead. They believe he is the cause for the Kanuri invasion. John being John, he agrees, but also tells them that getting rid of him won't stop them from coming. They all need to leave together. Using his tech know-how, he gets ships ready for all the townsfolk to get off-planet. Together they make their way to the sector house and find a host of lanterns still alive, including Salak and Gnort. Yay. It's a bittersweet reunion, as one lantern blames John for not being there after they lost over 300 lanterns. Again, John being John, he agrees. Just then, they receive a distress call from Kilowog and Hanu, who are under attack from an enemy ship. Now, if it's not... I I, I know who it is. If it's not obvious to some people, I won't say who the hooded lantern yeah, is. Well, I think they already kind of gave it away. Cause they yeah, to, they've yeah. given it away. It's Jessica Cruz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, which 
that is one of a few changes kind of from future state that I'm seeing this mm-hmm. week, which might be a hint of where things are going. And I went back and re- like at the end of her story in future state green lantern, number one, she did become a yellow lantern, but that was like a year yeah. into the future. Yeah. So. Not like weeks later. <clears throat> now this was at least for me, a great issue, but I was really hoping based on the cover to see Joe Moline take on a whole host of yellow lanterns. I thought that'd be an amazing fight, but maybe another time. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I, it's, I'm loving the art. I'm loving this book so far. This issue was uh, way up there for me compared to some of the recent ones. This is an 8.75. Wow. Yeah. This is doing the core proud, I think. All right, hey, at least what's left of it. Keep in mind with Joe Moline that her ring is not as powerful as regular lanterns. In exchange, I thought it was more powerful. No, it's not as powerful in exchange for being able to recharge itself. Mm. Yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> now they did say that it operates differently, but we even throughout the whole twelve issues of Far Sector, we never really got into how it operates differently. So we may be seeing yeah. that explained a little bit more. Hopefully, yeah. uh, you've seen other Earth Lanterns exhibit different abilities. Like Simon was able to bring his brother-in-law basically back to life with the ring, which was never done before. Right, and that was never explained. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking so. of unexplained, dude, Kelly is mad powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want like I the know. rest of I... her story for the next five years right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to forgive some of the stuff with the lanterns, just because, like, I, I, I know, I know, Rob wasn't the biggest fan of it, but um, the Green Lantern kind of toyed with that idea, where it was like, you know, if it's a will-powered ring, it doesn't just have to be constructs. It it can literally do anything. It kind of harkens back to the original idea of the ring which is basically just like if you can think it you can do it you know it can it can be right. anything um so I'm, I'm willing to forgive that on occasion but um sorry josh what were you saying about the issue oh i think it was fantastic i was just talking about kelly being mad powerful i want the rest of her story for five for the next five years like oh. right now that that that's all mm-hmm. i said it's like give i i want to know what the hell is up with teen lantern yeah, because I, I mean, she went and she started a barrage, man, and they were like petulant child, and then she started whooping ass. Yeah, I mean, they oh, they had, you a petulant child. She had to be taken down with a psychic attack. Yeah. Now that psychic attack was performed by Jessica Cruz, huh? Again, what you do anything you put your yeah, mind to yeah. <laughs> with with fear? Yeah. Ideally, it should be able fear, to. Fear is powerful. You know, if it's technically fear is stronger yeah, than will. If it's imagination-based technology, it, the only limit should be your imagination. So as long as you can conceive yeah. of it, it can be done, which I, I really like. Man, if, if that's actually, the direction that they're doing, the lanterns are about to get way more fucking powerful. Well, that's. I mean, I feel like that's kind of how they <laughs> should always be. Um, so then the numbers need to stay down. Well, We won't be seeing a lot of them come back to life. Well, If that's the case. 
I, I say uh, that, it, but there's a, again, there's like an asterisk after that in that you have to remember that not everyone has a giant limitless imagination. Right. So yeah, if you have someone true. who is, I don't want to say dumb, but like pretty limited into how they're thinking, like say Hal Jordan, who is, you know, more straight-laced focused, you know, it's boxing gloves and fighter jets and that sort of thing. Like Weapons. Yeah, exactly. If that's the extent of your imagination, that's as far as you can go. If you are someone who's like Kyle Rayner, who is an artist and imagination is literally his career, you should be able to do anything uh, and, in fact, has been able to do anything. One of my favorite yeah, pretty Kyle much, right? You <laughs> see One Million where he contains the power of a supernova. And it's like, of course, you shouldn't be able to do that. But if you can think about it and your lantern is basically a a wishing ring that can let you do anything, then yeah, of course you should be able to contain a supernova. So I think it just depends on, like I said, how expansive your imagination actually is. And that's why Kyle's the best lantern. Yeah, well, I would say most powerful probably, not necessarily my favorite. Again, come after me. I, I won't see it. I don't really care. Uh, no, but, I'm I'm uh, a, I'm in the majority or in the minority over here. Most yeah, people yeah. do not agree with Kyle being the best lantern. I, I don't know. I think it just kind of depends because, like, I mean, I know there's a lot of like nostalgia around it. Like, if you're reading comics in the '90s, I can totally understand that. It's why you know I have a, a I don't know like a, a love of like static because I just remember the reruns on Kids WB. I was right. a kid, and so classic. Like, that's really personal for me, but again, I don't know. Like, if if it's someone who's just like, I just learned about Kyle Rayner three years ago. Yeah, they're probably not going to have a, a super deep attachment to it. I can understand that, but anyway. Yeah, um, I guess so. So, sorry, you were saying, uh, what was your score for Green Lantern? Yeah. Oh, I gave it an eight out of ten, man. Nice. Um, I really liked the art in the first part of the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think the first half of the book is interesting. Um, I don't know. The second half kind of lost me from being honest, just didn't find it to be as interesting. And that wasn't really, I mean, yeah, it was just him. It was just John coming back. Yeah. It's just kind of him yeah. dealing with stuff in the, you know, that sector and like, I don't know. It's just, it's not that interesting to me. And I think that's in part due to the fact that I, I wish it could be a bit more fleshed out. And in part because the artwork isn't that, I don't know, wonderful compared to the first half. I and mean, the first half isn't, you know, fantastic or anything, but it's, it's demonstrably better compared to the back half. And, I probably should be saying oh. this because I literally just met Tom Rainey like four days ago. So God oh. forbid he listened to this podcast. Tom, you were really <laughs> nice. Thanks for signing my copy of Stormwatch. But I'm sorry, I don't really love your art on this most recent issue of Green Lantern. So I ended up giving this one a 7 out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There is one thing I can say about the art in the first half is that... Uh, I don't know what's up with that, but Kelly's hair changes inexplicably. Yeah. It's long and flowy. For some reason, it wasn't before for the first half when she's fighting everybody. But then when Jessica does the psychic attack, 
Her hair goes back to poofy and round. I can't explain that one. I, th- I think that's oh. the those might be the Andy McDonald parts. So it's just a, a matter of two different artists not really working in tandem. Yeah. Damn. That's sad. Yeah. What can yeah. you do? I guess edit, better editing. Editors. I'm yeah. just saying. Get on there. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Now back to our program. Uh, I was thinking about it during that discussion that uh, debating who the best Earth Lantern is is like debating the best Star Trek captain. <laughs> and it's just it's a dangerous situation. But honestly, like I think. At least for the Lanterns, every Earth Lantern has their own strong suit. Al Jordan and Kyle are probably the, the most strongest, if not equal amounts in their own way. But every Lantern has something to shine on. As for Star Trek captains, it's very much the same, but the right answer is Cisco. Yeah, I think story-wise, because character shit is where I'm at, man. I think story-wise is uh, probably, well, definitely Jessica Cruz and... And uh, Simon Baz as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Green Lanterns duo series. I loved that. That was so much fun. Oh, yeah. Watching them build off of each other and shit was awesome. And then, yeah. And, I mean, I don't give a shit. I, I don't care what anybody says. I loved Justice League Odyssey. I tried two or three times to get into that and every time I do I get a few issues in and I get distracted and I just forget about it but I really want to read it because I want to see Jessica Cruz <laughs> <laughs> most most people did not like that episode or most people did not like that run obviously yeah. it got cancelled yeah. um, but it went a while though like what 22 issues 23 somewhere near there but I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it what's this Justice League Odyssey Oh, oh! I never, yeah, I never read that book. I really wanted to, anybody I else. That's I why I got canceled. Yeah, no, I, it was <laughs> like it looks like it might be interesting. It was like Starfire. It's a little bit Cyborg, out there. Israel. Yeah, most. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Those those three are in it very little. Oh, really? Oh, yep. Kind of sucks. It's it's <laughs> it's one hell of a wild ride, but they they are very plot centric. Like I got as far as the the statues without giving anything away to Brandon if he's going to read it. Yeah. That might be a hint to you. And I think, um, I, I don't know when it happened. It might have been a spoiler for me, but dying happens at some point. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. there's, uh, I mean, they actually had a part in restoring the multiverse keeping it around long enough for the heroes to <laughs> fix shit oh, okay. yep yep yeah but no, in any case i remember when they like relaunched all the justice league titles and that was the one i was just like nope i'm skipping. <laughs> i think because I was, it was just like it got delayed and um also we've been given it a lot of praise nope. but at the time i saw that josh williamson was writing it i was like eh Past. Like no. I already have Justice League and Justice League Dark. I don't. I don't feel like reading this. So it, it was weird. It was out there, man. But I thought it was fun. And this is from somebody that doesn't like Josh Williamson at that time. Yeah, you no, know what I, I mean. I, I'm, I'm willing to go back and give it a shot. It looked 
Now it looks like it might be fun, but at the time I was just like, yeah, no, no thanks. As as long as long as you understand, it's gonna be weird and out there. Yeah, I mean, but I, I had fun. With it. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, are we good to go? I think so. All right. Do we do a countdown or should we just start again? I think we're good. Nobody messed up recording, right? I don't think so. Uh, I'm still recording I, fine. Oh, I'm still good. As far as I cool. Know. Right. And we're back. Hope that wasn't too horrible. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Next up, we have a different book looking uh, outside of the DC universe a little bit, or at least the mainstream DC universe as, as we've been following it, and that is Suicide Squad Get Joker Number 1, a black label title that I will let Josh tell us all about. You're going to let me tell us all about I'm it? I'm going to let you tell us all about it. Man, thank you, Brandon. My pleasure, sir. <laughs> Written by Brian Azzarello with art and cover from Alex Maleev and, of course, and Matt Hollingsworth. Letters by Jared K. Fletcher, whose name I don't think I've ever seen before. Jason Todd has been arrested and naturally he gets recruited to the Suicide Squad. Waller recruits him and does so personally. This part takes up a whole bunch of time establishing Jason's state of mind and his reluctance to join Task Force X. But he's been chosen as a leader, and his team consists of Firefly, Silver Banshee, Pebbles, who is a new character that is pretty much Luke Cage from Marvel, a new character named Meow Meow with a nasty mouth. And I don't mean swearing, I mean it's like literally monstrous. There's also Plastique, and I think her whole thing is pretty evident. Wild Dog, who everybody knows, probably mostly from the Arrow TV series. However, this one is a Trump supporter. And Yonder Man. I Say that again? Oh, sorry. I didn't know Wild Dog was on Arrow. Maybe that's because I had dropped off of Arrow so early. Yeah. 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 Everyone, was like everyone was like, oh yeah, Wild Dog from Arrow. It's like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? I thought, like, wasn't that the... Like random comic book, they, they and they had Wild Dog and like Cave Carson a little while back with the um, the uh, Young Animal books. So yep. my exposure to him was there, and then they're like, "No, he was also on the show." I was like, "What? What the hell are you saying?" When was <laughs> yeah, he like era? he was on the show for a long time. Oh, actually, yeah, he was a major character. Yeah, I had no but idea. Uh, yeah, I mean that was their one, iteration of Wild Dog. Yeah. yeah. Very good wild dog, in my opinion. Might, might be one of He's, those He was races. a better wild dog than the real wild dog, yeah. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I've never read that, that miniseries, but I think I saw it in like a, a dollar bin once, and, and I, I just, I don't know. It, it looked a little too corny for me. Yeah, it's, I, honestly, I've never read the original series either. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I until Arrow, I had never even heard of the dude. and uh, I, I don't um, blame you. I had to go back and look, and I couldn't find any at the dollar or at at the comic book shop. So um, I went around looking online to see if like you could find anything on eBay. And of course, all you ever get is a goddamn cover. So it didn't look appealing to me whatsoever. No, thank you. Yeah, Not for no, the shipping was, I was going to have to pay. <laughs> it, was, it was literally just like guy in hockey mask and t shirt. Yep. 
runs around and vigilante Jason. Exactly. Yeah. Or or um, what's his face from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Casey uh, Jones. Oh, Casey Jones. Yeah, yeah, Casey Jones. There you go. Yeah, that's even better. Except Casey, more I like think, it. probably has more personality than Wild Dog. I think so. At least more enjoyable for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, there was Yonder Man, who looks like a teleporting version of Captain Boomerang. And he says, dude, like a lot. <laughs> so anyway, they go to meet their man on the inside of Gotham, who turns out to be Toy Man nobody's really thrilled about that, by the way. But he hooks them up with weapons, and they go out on their mission. That leads them to a bar, but it's a setup. They got out, but barely. Toy Man, on the way out, tells Jason that Waller knew that the Joker was working with the Russians, who were the ones that were sitting at the bar. They're paying him to just cause chaos in Gotham. No further explanation offered. Jason gets pissed and calls Waller. He also tells her that the Russians at the bar knew that they were coming, so there's a mole inside of Task Force X. As Waller's on the phone with Jason, she answers the door for the takeout that she ordered. And it's there, but uh, it's being held by the Joker with a few henchmen in tow. Joker beats Waller to I, I, I'm assuming death. That's what it looked like to me. With a cane while Jason listens on the oh, other wait. end of the phone. Give me a sec, guys. I'll be right back. All right. So he hangs up the phone to tell the team that the Joker has their bomb box. And immediately after that, Firefly begins to incinerate right in front of them. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean, yes. Ultimately, and I know I, this is something that I complain about a lot, but this was completely inconsequential, honestly. Because, you know, none of this is happening within the regular DC universe. This is totally out an Elseworlds kind of story, but... Um, I'm enjoying the shit out of this one. And normally I have a problem with those kind of stories just out of relation to how they fit in with the larger DC universe. This this is amazing. I mean, holy shit, I really like this. <laughs> the extra pages of the oversized issue help take the time to not make this feel rushed in any way with enough happening to stop it feel like it was dragging in any way and of course you know i mean alex Maleev's art matches alarello's narrative every single time every single time man i gave this an 8.5 out of 10 what did you give it rob i i gave it a nine i i, I was just at the edge of my seat the whole time it was such a fun ride and the Joker, I, I picked up on this, and it might just be because of the, all the Space Jam 2 controversy going around, but him <laughs> and his henchmen are dressed up like the Droogs. Say that again? They're dressed up like the Droogs from A Clockwork Orange. Oh, oh. Yeah, and I, I'll i be honest, I still haven't seen A Clockwork Orange, but because of all the controversy, from what I understand, they're rapists of some kind. So. Yeah. If that might be just as a rebel going deep, like this is the two most horrific things Joker's done to the Bat family. He killed Jason and he raped Barbara. And he's yeah. rolled it into one action. 
which I don't. I didn't even notice that, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you're dead ass right, dude. This has gotten a little deeper. <sighs> Sorry yeah, about that, guys. My brother forgot his keys, so I had to let him back into the apartment. Uh, you know, hey, life happens. Yeah. Um, I just I finished reviewing it, uh, summarizing the story, and uh, you just missed Rob offering something, offering up something that I missed, and 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 it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Rob, you want to tell Brandon yeah. what that was? So Joker and his henchmen are dressed up like the Droogs from A Clockwork Orange. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's, from what I understand, because I haven't seen the movie, they're rapists. And that could be Azarello just kind of mixing the two most horrific things the Joker's done to the Bat family, which is kill Jason and rape Barbara. Right, yeah. And roll it into one act of just beating the shit out of Amanda Waller and getting back at Jason. And I, I think that just makes us a little bit deeper. Yeah, it's that's some interesting symbolism. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even notice that. No, I didn't either until he said something. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I, 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 like, I, I only noticed it because of the, the Space so. Jam stuff. But, yeah. You guys, it's it's a really messed up movie. Again. Space Jam? I'm, I feel like I'm suggesting a lot of space weird Jam? shit. But, well, yeah, no, I'm not, movie. I'm not talking about Space <laughs> oh, Jam. I, like, oh, I don't remember being that messed I'm talking about Clockwork Orange. Oh. Yeah. It's a really messed up movie, but if you guys like you know, good stories, I mean, it's it's definitely a weird one, but it it's it's it'll take you for a ride. Do you like The Shining, either one of you? I do, I and, and I like like I, like I've seen you know two thousand one Space Odyssey. Like I've seen some Kubrick movies. I just I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I haven't sat down and had the time to do it. But yeah, uh, I'll, it's I'll it's a good it story. Mm-hmm. Like everything else he's ever done, it's weird yeah. as shit. But no, I I <laughs> hey dude, I fucking love weird, crazy movies. My one of my favorite directors is David Lynch, and like oh yeah. there you go, I, yeah. I, I, like that that kind of stuff <laughs> is the stuff that I love to watch. Um, but like I would never force anyone else to watch it um, unless they were willing to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've 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 like forced friends to sit down and watch American Psycho with me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, This is one of your favorite movies. See, I would be afraid to do that because if I force <laughs> someone to sit down and watch like a racer head, I don't think they'd want to be friends with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey then my friend, you don't need those kind of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like yeah <laughs> no um i mean yeah to each their own i yeah. learned my lesson i don't do it anymore because mm. <laughs> everybody was like this is your favorite movie and then you get that like that weird look like they don't know you quite as good as they did before <laughs> anyway um yeah well the yeah alex Maliva is just rocking it again Oh yeah, yeah. His tone for this fits so well with the story, as you'd expect with Azarello. It's it's dark and deadly and exciting. Uh, holy shit! Was the only thing I could say at the end of the last page. <laughs> it's right? it just so much fun and and interesting. Like the fact that all the the goons, I guess you could call them goons in the bar, had like robotic enhancements, which was interesting. Makes you think maybe Toy Man's involved, and that like they're revealing there's a man on the inside. Like there's so much going on, but it's 
it fits perfectly in what the 51, 52 pages has got. It's fantastic. It was a really good black label story. Mm-hmm. This, this was a nine for me. Yeah. Brandon missed it, but I gave it an 8.5. I, I loved it. The story was freaking awesome. The only complaint about the art that I really have is I didn't like some of his shadow work. Like, particularly the 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 shadows of the bars reflecting across people. Like, I can respect that he did that because, that, you know, graphically, I mean, it shows me how much detail he was putting into it, how much attention he was giving it. Mm. But I just didn't like the way that it was done. So, mm. I mean, th- that's why it got down to an 8.5 for me, which doesn't seem like getting down very much. No. Yeah, not really. Yeah, this was a, a really solid setup, I think. Um I think it, it took a little a little bit for it to really hook me. because um, I was still like, you know, we start with Jason and Jail and everything and that's a pretty interesting hook, but I, I was still kind of waiting for it to really just get to the point where I'm like, ooh, okay, I'm in. And for me that didn't really click until the squad is kind of all together and they finally get into the toy man's junkyard now it's like okay i'm i'm invested in this um and you know yeah alex from the moment oh yeah go go ahead no sorry go for it oh no all i was gonna say like when i saw a firefly burn up i'm like okay what's gonna happen now oh yeah yeah no it's it's a hell of an ending too um and yeah i was um I, i like as per usual alex malieve is really great and um i it's interesting seeing him work with with Brian Azarella. I think he does a pretty good job with that. Um, yeah, it was just it was a really solid job all around. It's interesting to say that you. Or it's interesting to hear that you didn't really like the shadow work because I thought some of the shadows were actually kind of impressive. Where like there's the scene okay, between so... Jason and Amanda where the um, like the bars are like shadowed across their face, and I thought that was really cool. See, I like the idea of it, but that is like that that's the exact same scenes that I'm talking about that I I, I feel like they could have been done better. Mm, like enough. I can see Malieve doing a much better job, but at the same time it shows me how much attention he was given. He didn't leave it off. I just wish he would have done it a different way. Yeah, I can I can see how it kind of looks like they have like tire treads on their faces or something, but Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't have a, a huge problem with it. But I ended up giving it a, an 8 out of 10. I thought it was just a really solid first issue all around. Uh, I still rated it higher than you, and I didn't like the art as much. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really good, man. I enjoyed yeah. it. That said, it is a really good story, but it takes up an awful amount of time, and... It's not connected to the larger universe, so I'm nominating this book for the dump list, too. And I loved it. This is the second book that I really enjoyed this week that I'm saying we should probably flush. Yeah, I nominated this one for the dump list, not because I thought it was bad or anything, but just because it feels like it's something that I will really enjoy if we don't have to review it. Yes, mm-hmm. on my own, you know, if I can just kind of have something to kind of enjoy on the side and we can, you know, bullshit about it when we do our live streams or whatever. But, you know, yeah. it's it's not something I feel like I really have to go into deep detail about. It's one of those, if you're reading it, you know, and if you're not, check it out. But that's pretty yeah. much it. 
that's I I stopped reviewing Far Sector on this uh, podcast after mm. episode number two or after issue number two because mm. I wanted to read it and enjoy it rather than yeah have to sit there and pick it apart <laughs> exactly and type it out and everything but yeah. Very cool, very cool. All right, on to our next book, The Swamp Thing, number six. Uh, continuing our story of Levi Kamei. Um, this issue, as per usual, was brought to us by writer Ron V with art from Mike Perkins, colors from Mike Spicer, and letters from Aditya Bidikar. So the Suicide Squad are on the hunt for Levi. Uh, and I actually kind of forgot that that had happened in the last issue. Because it felt like it had been a really long time since the last issue, so I, I kind of had to remind myself what the hell happened. But yeah, um, under orders from Prescott Industries, the squad are sent to the jungles of Kaziranga to locate and capture Levi Kamei, who is still putting himself back together after taking care of the bomb in London. The Suicide Squad is split up into different teams to locate different locations where Levi might be. And, and, whoa, that's not how you spell heat wave. And heat wave. (laughs) (laughs) And heat wave and parasite are the ones who are lucky enough to stumble upon Levi. Or really just heat wave as parasite goes off to feed on his own. All the while, Levi is having flashbacks as he's still kind of communing with the green and putting himself together and in particular having flashbacks of times with his brother and times with his father relating to his first journey back to India as a employee at Prescott Industries. Squad are still on the hunt for Levi even after uh, Heatwave attempts to burn Levi uh, after discovering his body but Levi throws himself over a waterfall the squad, in particular Peacemaker, is upset with Heatwave for engaging instead of waiting for the squad to catch up and uh, take on Levi themselves. And Peacemaker, in particular, tells Heatwave to sit it out while they meet at a rendezvous point and uh, come to collect Levi. That's when Levi, after having another flashback to some times with his father, begins to rebuild himself in his swamp-like form as Heatwave waits for the squad's rendezvous point. And it seems that Heatwave in particular has no idea what's about to happen to him. It looks like it's going to be deadly. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's not even fair to review this series anymore because like we've, <laughs> we've, been making, we've been making this joke for like the past five issues, and it's like I don't I don't even know what else to say. It's it's good. It's really really good. Yeah. Mike Perkins is like the perfect fit for a Swamp Thing book. It's shocking to me that he's never done something like this before. It's absolutely Not after important. seeing it, I can't imagine why he's never done it before. I I know it. I just like I don't I don't know. Like, it's like he was made for it. Seriously, <laughs> like Joe Bennett on a Mortal Hulk. Um, like like mm. Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't have any words. The only thing <laughs> I have to say is just read the book for yourself. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Explorer, I gave it an eight point seven five. This book is just so good, but I, I don't want to sound like a broken record because I just say like the same thing every time. So uh, I mean, again, how about how about we say this? It remains to be the best run in DC Comics. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. the best. I think the best run of Infinite Frontier right now, outside of 
probably Batman and uh, I think Action Comics is getting there, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's six issues in and it's been six issues of us not knowing different ways to say how good it is. (laughs) And we can't say that about the last six issues of any book in DC Comics. ironic because this book is so, like, poetic and almost flowery with its words and it knows exactly how to phrase stuff. And here we are stumbling to find the words to describe this book. It's because Ram V took them all. I know. It's because Ram V is a writer. He's not. Uh, yeah. What you guys said is literally everything I have written down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, dude. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. We that's could it. we could break out a thesaurus and start and start using words like splendid and fabulous. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, prose like it. It it's hell. I think I've I have I have even called some of his stuff prose like on the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just for me. There's there's nothing that's touching it right now. The art, the story. Ram V and Perkins are kicking ass. I gave this one an eight point five out of ten. Yeah, I gave this a nine. It okay. I think I've been. It's it's greater than cromulent. <laughs> yes. There we go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Found yeah. something new. There we go. All right. Hey, real quick though, side thing here. When Parasite broke off, we did get a little scene of him eating, because you know that's what Parasite does is mm-hmm. feed, and he's feasting on. Something while he sits there and goes green. So Parasite gets the powers of those that he eats, right? So mm. is he now going to be tapped into the green for a period of time? It's possible. And what is going to come of that? It looked like chicken to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it could be really interesting um, having a creature like Parasite feed off the green because as we have been told numerous times throughout this run the green is is memory and the green has been around for millennia so that's a lot of memory and oh yeah it is if you know anything about parasite it's that he loves to feed endlessly so imagine someone with a you know limitless appetite feeding on millennia of memory with a lot of deadly power the more, yeah, the more he consumes, the more powerful he becomes. Exactly, exactly. Uh oh. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, that's uh, it's definitely interesting, but I don't know. I I'd, I'd, I'd say Levi needs to watch out, otherwise something bad could happen. <laughs> yeah, like um, the JLD having to come bail him out or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. they're they're busy in Atlantis right now. They don't have time for that. That'll be their next adventure. I think I see a crossover coming. Oh, I'm sure. That's uh, that's that's classic writer technique right there. That's I'm writing two books at the same time. It's time for a crossover. Yeah. Because I, I, well, I, sh- I shouldn't be mean about it, but it's a. Uh, that's the. I think that's like the old Claremont trick of. Yeah. Of 
tying everything all together. Exactly. I have two books that I'm writing right now, and I don't really have any ideas, so I'm going to put them together and see what happens. I think we've got a different caliber of thing going on here, though. You know what I mean? It's It's definitely not Chris Claremont shit. Yeah, no. I was was going back and reading, like, the old Uncanny X-Men, because they have the... um, the like Marvel Masterworks in my library, and I was just like, "Boy, there is a lot of crossover with Iron Fist. Why? Okay. Why? Why are you in this book?" And I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, Iron Fist. That's why. 1975, <laughs> written by Chris Claremont with art from John Byrne. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that's why all these characters are showing up at X Men. Is you needed something to do." Is he the last person I'd ever expect to see in an X Men book? Chris Claremont or no? Yeah, it's Iron Fist. I don't know about the last one, but yeah, he's he's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Swamp Thing is great. Check it out. Like uh, the fact that we don't even have the words to describe how good it is should tell you how good it is. And this is a ride that you definitely want to be along. For. Absolutely spectacular. Speaking of books that both look good and presumably read good, uh, we'll see. Uh, We'll be moving on to our final issue for this week, Batman number 111. This features a main story as well as a backup story featuring the Ghost Maker. So for our first story, Rob is going to tell us all about that. And to close us off with our backup story, Josh is going to fill us in on what's going on with Ghost Maker. So Rob... Take it away. All right. So it's from writer James Tiny in the fourth with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors from Tomo Mori, and letters from Clayton Cowles. Stuck in a dangerous situation against the magistrate, Miracle Molly gives Squeak an upgrade and tells her to scream. She does and gives off a massive sonic scream that blows the magistrate away. Then Breaker another member of the Insanity Collective, comes to their rescue and takes on Peacekeeper 01 and holds his own fairly well. But Molly and Squeak each take a bullet while they're running away, and after getting to safety, they know they need more help. Enter Batman, Ghostmaker, and Harley Quinn, who begin taking down Enforcers. Molly goes to Batman and asks for his help to get everyone to safety, which he agrees to, and the group take off in the Ghost Stream. While in the air, Batman reveals he slipped a tracker onto Peacekeeper 1, and we then go to his location at Arkham Asylum, where Sean Mahoney is playing Messenger Boy for Simon Saint. Saint tells the Scarecrow everything has gone to plan, and they can move to the next phase. However, Scarecrow has other plans. He wants to keep the city in fear and injects Mahoney with the strongest dose of fear toxin he's ever made. Batman Woo-hoo! was listening in in the ceiling the whole time, but Scarecrow knew that and dropped Batman in to give him the next dose. Fear State is going to be so, so good. <laughs> I hope so. But it, it's really looking like it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. guessing this is when Batman gets all drugged up and fights the hallucinations we've seen in the book so far. Presumably, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. And I think this pretty much confirms that what we all suspected, what anyone who's ever started with a future story and come back to the past and suspected that we're not going to get that definitive future. We're just going to get the story surrounding the focal point where it could go one way or it could go another way. And in this case, it's going to go another way um, because Mm -hmm. clearly we know that in the future state, 
universe, the magistrate has complete control. It's not Scarecrow going off the handle, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of my notes is that this is another one of the little changes I'm seeing towards mm. what see, Figure no, State I, becomes. I don't know that. I I was sitting there reading it, and even while reading it, I didn't even I didn't form this opinion while you guys were talking. Um, sitting there while reading it, I was like, "So this is why Scarecrow in in the future state stories acted like such a basically like he cowered below the magistrate. He had a high up position, but he was scared of them." And I thought that was a bit odd, and I believe I mentioned that back then. And I think that we could be looking at Scarecrow coming up, putting Gotham through Fear State just to be squashed by the Magistrate, and maybe even personally by Simon Saint. It's possible, but I, I think I think there are a couple of changes here that are just might be a little hard to to fix. Um, that I, I just I don't know if it's going to line up with Future State, and like I said, it's I think it's pretty fair to say that it's not going to be exactly like Future State. We know that, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, like I said, this is this is the point at which things could go one way, hence Future State, or things are going to go the other way because they have to, because the stories of Batman can never ever end, uh, and will never end in that way at least. They have to keep going on forever endeavor in in a, uh, the heroic way where he doesn't become an old homeless man mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah well maybe in the main title that's exactly what we're gonna get and we're gonna stay with and then we're gonna have splinter off titles that don't happen in the regular universe that take part in the other parts of the omniverse that are regular batman well, we're in all honesty, we're probably just going to stick with our main Batman as he is triumphing over Scarecrow as he is wont to do and seeing what kind of ramifications that have. But if you're interested in that universe, of course, there's always Future State Gotham where you can read about those versions of uh, the Future State Gotham if you, if you so please. You just like to rain on my parade, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's but, just, uh, I mean, it's, like, that That future is just never, never definitive, like, or yeah. definite, like, that, that just, it just doesn't happen in any kind of, I don't know, any kind of storytelling, like, you're, al- you're always going to have a different version, you're not going to stick with the dark future. Yeah, I mean, that future, I said it before, that future could get better, it could get dark for a while, but it could get better, anyway, I <laughs> Man, uh, I think that it was an amazing segue issue into Fear State. And, of course, Tynan is doing a great job. As always, uh, Jimenez is knocking it out of the part. This is literally a steaming pile of yum. I gave it an 8.75 out of 10. Yeah, I, I agree with you on half of what you said. I thought this was a great segue into fear state but kind of a shoddy conclusion to the arc the cowardly lot which was kind of a problem that i'd had the last time where we had their dark designs that was time its first arc 
yeah. that didn't really end. It just led into Joker War. And so it just felt like this giant never-ending arc, and it was a little bit frustrating. And so I think this did a good job of, of ramping up what's to come, but I, I just wish it was a bit more of a satisfying conclusion. So for that, I had to give this issue, even though gorgeous artwork, it was a good job at, at building, you know, the suspense towards what's coming. Uh, I had to give this issue a 7.5 out of 10. <laughs> Not bad by any means. I just yeah. wish it was a, a stronger conclusion. I, I really did. That's fair. A more satisfying I, I, one, at least. I can definitely agree with that. I, I, I still gave this a 9.25 because I was just taken away by the art and... Mm. And yeah, I mean, for for yeah, for oh, yeah, your state setup, crazy. it's it's fantastic. But you make a really yeah. good point about it's it, it really it doesn't really conclude anything. No, it's yeah. it's it, like it's it's basically when you look at it collectively, it's basically six issues of setup. It's not really any kind of conclusion, which is yeah. just well, a little frustrating. And I've heard, I've heard, heard. <laughs> I've heard, <laughs> I have heard. A lot of people make that complaint, but if I'm not mistaken, Tynan at the very beginning of this said that his story was going to be spanning quite a bit of time and that they all were going to tie into one another. It wasn't just going to be story after story. Yeah, I just, I, I wish in the setup for Future State you could have both a satisfying conclusion to this particular arc as well as setting up what's to come this just kind of felt like and we're gonna keep going and going and going it's like all right let me just damn let me take a breath first (laughs) i got you yeah that's funny all right so i guess we are on ghost maker and that was written by james tynan the fourth with art from ricardo ricardo lopez ortiz and Romulo Friardo Jr. with lettering from Clayton Cowles. We are still on Devil Island, Devil Skull Island, my bad. And Ghostmaker is stuck under rubble with Icon freaking out because it doesn't know what to do. Er, not rubble, a little bit more than rubble. It says 90,000 metric tons. That's roughly the size of a small office building. So a bit more than rubble. The next part of the story is a flashback for the weird-looking mummy dude. I do not remember what his name is, and it's not said in the story, so no help there. Anyway, the flashback is, of course, of his run-in with Ghostmaker and how Ghostmaker understood the pain of death more than said weird-looking mummy dude, who happened to spend his whole life studying it. Weird, weird-looking mummy dude, weird story... I'm glad this backup is gone until November. It's just really gotten on my nerves. It's pointless, and I'm sad because they could do so much better with this character, and I'm only good with like 70% of the art. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, this story has... Um, it's, I'm, I'm actually kind of the opposite. The story has actually kind of grown on me because I, I was kind of going in with the first story, um, and it was a little rough, I think. Um, and I, I didn't really have that much interest in the character of Ghostmaker, to be honest. I found his introduction to be incredibly boring. Um, but with these stories kind of showing what Ghostmaker can be to various different villains, it's, it's actually gotten my interest. And, you know, I think the art is, has its really cool moments where it, it feels very kinetic and action-packed and 
I don't know. It, it, it was actually really doing it for me. So um, while it was not a great story by any means, it certainly didn't leave me feeling bored or cold or anything. So I actually ended up giving this one a 7.5 out of 10. See, I felt cold, but I, I was okay with 70% of the art. Like, you're right. The, like, the action scenes were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, to each their own. How about yeah. you, Rob? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of happy that this is the last story from the past, which, in my opinion, really had the most awkward intro. was kind of just shoved in there. Yeah, I, right. I, I'm happy we can finally get to the main story again, which like in the first chapter I was enthusiastic about. It. I thought it was really interesting and, and excited about it. And then it just slowed the hell down because we kept getting all the backstory of all these villains and it just took up so much time. I just didn't care that much. And it's been, it, it's like watching Goku power up on Dragon Ball. It's been <laughs> ghost maker walk across this Island for six months. It's too much. And, uh, ah! Six months of, of charging your yeah. super saiyan powers. <laughs> yeah, this this is a, a six out of ten for me as well. This, it, yeah, I I just hope that the next chapter, whenever we get well, November, we get it is mm. more exciting. Oh, fair enough. There is my transition. All right, now that that's done, let's break down our top three books for this week and a standout moment if you have one. So, Rob, why don't you kick it off? Okay, so top three, starting number three, I have Green Lantern. It was enjoyable as hell. I really enjoyed the art. I, I enjoyed the, part, the art for both the front half and the back half, which is more than I can say from previous issues. This one is really bringing it back up for me, and I hope they keep this pace up. Number two was Suicide Squad Get Joker. Ah, it's just oh, that first issue of excitement. It's it's so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And number one is Swamp Thing. No comment at this point. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. Say. Nothing else to say. Uh, my favorite moment, there's so many good ones, but for me it was Kelly holding back the Yellow Lanterns, which is such a sight. Seeing her use oh, those giant yeah. constructs of her friends from YJ is dude, so good. You took my choice number one. I've got backups. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my top three for this week were Swamp Thing at number one. That should be obvious why. Uh, Suicide Squad, Get Joker at number two. And Batman number 111, number three, even if I didn't love the ending, it was, like I said, still a, a solid transition into Fear State. So I'm interested to see where that's going. But my favorite moment has to be in the Swamp Thing, that last splash page of Heat Wave, you know, smoking a cigar. No idea what's about to happen to him <laughs> and Levi just rising out of the water. It's very chilling and, I mean... I don't know. I'm not really feeling too bad for Heat Wave, honestly. It's I think it's gonna be pretty satisfying to see what happens to him. Yeah. Okay. So number three should be held by Batman or Green Lantern. Those are both great stories. You can but put both. Their <laughs> backups dragged them down. So my number three. Goes to Crush on Lobo. (laughs) 
it beat it out just by a slight margin. Crutch and Lobo got 8.25 out of 10. Those other two got 8 because of the backups dragging them down. My number two goes to Suicide Squad, Get Joker. That's an amazing story. I know I nominated number three and number two for the dump list, but that's just because they aren't connected to the major universe. They're just side stories. They're just meant to be read separately. They're meant to be enjoyed. I will endorse them as we mentioned the dump list, but those are definitely going there. And number one is Swamp Thing. Absolutely magnificent. <laughs> yeah, in, no, but, in, the, in the words of Stan Lee, enough said. Mm-hmm. Right? There's <laughs> more to say about it. Nope, not really, man. Um, now, for my favorite moment, since I can't choose the entire first part of the Batman issue, I think I'm going to have to go with my second choice and have it be Heat Wave sitting there smoldering, being just burn all the shit. Mm. <laughs> Tied with Kelly kicking the living daylights out of the Green Lanterns. Also, that very first page of Batman with the Scarecrow in it, the Scarecrow and the, the like, the clouds, the smoke in the sky, all of it looked fucking awesome. So, I have favorite moments. I'm pulling a Brandon. Yes. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. right. That was fun, but this is even more fun. It's time for... The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. So, which title made your think list today, guys? I don't think it's a surprise, man. Crime Syndicate yeah. is on my stink list. Wipe that shit away. The best part is that it's the last part. Yes. Just yep. yuck. <laughs> yeah, mine was a, a two-way tie between Crime Syndicate and Green Lantern. It just didn't oh really goodness. Do yeah, no. Even it, the first just, part. Uh, the the first part is the more interesting part. The back half with John really just dragged it down. I, I, I like wish I could like it more. I, I honestly do. I can't force myself to like it. It's yeah. not doing it for me. It, it is kind of lacking. but Yeah, and yeah. It, it's just, it's like, I, I just want to, and like the first part isn't terrible, like it's enjoyable, but it's not terribly interesting. And it's just like, I get to the back half and I'm already like looking at the clock, like how much longer yeah. do I have to read this? Um, oh no. I do yeah. appreciate that it was the back half this time and not the front half. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At least I right. get to the first half with some ease. But um yeah, it was uh Crime Syndicate and Green Lantern for this week. But we're not quite done yet, folks. We have one more item on the agenda, and that is to choose which titles make our dump list for this week. So we'll put it to a vote. Gentlemen, which title is going to make the dump list? I, I again, I'm voting for Crush and Lobo and Get Joker. They are, I enjoy the shit out of Crush and Lobo and Get Joker, Get Joker, excuse me, seems like it's just going to be amazing. It's an excellent hands and the setup is hella good. Mm. They just don't tie into what we're doing here. Yeah, I just, I don't know that it's incredibly important. Not that every book needs to be, but. It's something that we can kind of enjoy in our own time and doesn't really tie into Infinite Frontier. So, 
get Joker gets my vote as well. Um, I like Crush and Lovo. I do. But in all honesty, I wouldn't mind putting that one on the dump list as well. Um, even though I think this issue in particular is probably the weakest of the series so far. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Get Joker and Crush and Lobo. Sorry. They're good books, but they may not be covering you in anymore. How about you, Rob? I don't know. There's, there's, there's not much else to say. Let's just dumb swamp thing. Oh, God. Yeah, right. (laughs) You You are out of your damn mind, boy. I don't care if we run out of synonyms for fucking awesome. (laughs) But if Swamp Thing's in the dump, he can clean it up and the planet can be healthy. No. (laughs) Don't make me Uh, come to Canada. I will make you come to Canada. Enjoy our food, damn it. I will. Good. Enjoy your food. I've been told that I should try... Poutines. Um, well, that too. But, oh yeah. Um, I don't they only eat what... two things in Canada, dude. They eat poutines and they drink syrup. Okay. That's it. That's all they yes. do. Oh God. Um, no, I've been told. Um, <laughs> wait, I don't even know what it is, though. Wait, Rob, what is a Harvey's? Like a fast food place? Yes, that's yes. a fast food I'm sorry, joint. that's just a really weird question. I'm sorry yeah. for bursting out like that. Because, <laughs> like, my friend who goes to U of T yeah. um, told me about it. I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. What is that? It's good. Is that like a, you like, can you have it your way. Is or something? It's, it's, okay, like so it's, it's between Five Guys and McDonald's where okay, it's, okay. it's better burgers, but it's a little faster. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Hardee's. Gotcha. Okay, Hardee's. Okay, yeah. okay, that makes Hardee's sense. Hardee's and Hardee's. Yeah, they right. they flame grill it right in front of you, and you can put your toppings on. The burgers oh, are really like good. Kind of cool. Yeah, the poutines are pretty awesome as well. They got some nice ones. Yep. Yeah, I love Hardee's. I, I've, I've yet to I've, meet somebody that doesn't I've like Hardee's. I've yet to try a poutine, but um, oh, you need to try a poutine. I know. It's I know. better than any celebrity that's ever come out of Canada. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> Wait, I'm much? telling Jim you, dude. Carey? It's not harsh. I'm telling you how amazing. Like, poutines are like, better than Tim Carey. Oh. <laughs> That's how much Mike, I love poutines. Mike Myers? Wow. Poutine, yes. Poutines oh. are better than Mike Myers. Yeah. Uh, I don't give a yeah. shit what anybody uh, says. Give me some steak fries <laughs> with some <laughs> cheese curds and some brown ass gravy on top of that, and I will eat that shit all day long. I would eat poutines every day if I could, oh, yeah. but I'm in Georgia. Very I'm like on the opposite side of the state yeah. where you can even think about getting them. There's full on like restaurants devoted to just poutine, like Smokes really? Poutinery. There, there was one in my hometown, downtown. That had like all sorts of gourmet poutines. Yeah, it's 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 great up here. <laughs> but if you're gonna have yeah, poutine for the first time, you have to have authentic Quebec poutine. Okay, it's okay. massive. It's original and it's delicious. My the, my favorite poutine that and granted I've never been to Quebec, but um, my favorite poutine that I've ever had I actually found at a poutine truck underneath a bridge <laughs> no shit it was like full-on taco truck kind of setup deal man but holy shit it was good so good yeah, it's, it's versatile even making your own homemade poutine some people say no that's blasphemy because it's not legit no, it's it's still good oh yeah we made some i've i've made them for my family they think that shit's amazing yeah i feel like it'd be fun to make it is. Yeah. Yeah. You just need you just need like I prefer to use steak fries. Oh, okay, okay. That's my personal f- preference. Usually they don't use steak fries. All right, after all this hype, I got to I got to try it. I got to get my ass up to Canada sometime soon. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Even che- though cheese curds and gravy, man. Right yeah, across the border at Niagara, you can get one right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yo. So my my nomination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your I, nominations I, for the dumplet. <laughs> I can agree. Crush on Lobo. It's it was. I I feel awkward and dirty putting get Joker on the dump list because it was so fucking good. But yeah. Yeah. Crush on Lobo. I can agree with it. It like I said, it was just the weaker one this month, and it, yeah, it could it could it still be really good. But yeah, that's it. I would put Crime Syndicate, but it's the last one. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess that means that this week we are flushing Crush and Lobo and Suicide Squad Get Joker, along with those who are already down the toilet. Nice house on the lake. Joker puzzle box and the Conjuring, not because they're bad. Just because they don't fit in, man. And we know, as well as you do, that Infinite Frontier is eventually going to load up the titles on us. So we're going to keep our plate clear. The titles that are on the dump list that should be better is Justice League. And I think we can all agree on why. No need to delve into it. No, Back to you, you Brandon. You don't even... <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. With that out of the way... That is the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week for more DC Comics talk when we'll be reviewing Detective Comics number 1041, Joker number 6, Infinite Frontier number 4, Batman Urban Legends number 6, Justice League Last Ride number 4, and I Am Batman number 0. We'll be here talking comics, and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there is only one way that we'd say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Or miss our live stream on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. See you there. Just